Section six of the case of the pool of blood in the pasture study by Grace Isabel Colbron and Augusta Groner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Dr. Orze sank down on the chair beside the door. Muller, now completely master of the situation, turned to the insane man who stood looking at him in surprise, which was mingled with admiration. "'And now, my dear Cardiac, you must tell us of your great deeds here,' said the detective in a friendly tone. The unfortunate man bent over him with shining eyes and whispered, "'But you'll shoot him first, won't you?' "'Why should I shoot him?' "'Because he won't let me say a word without beating me. He is so cruel.' He sticks pins into me if I don't do what he wants. Why didn't you tell the doctor? Yuri would have treated me worse than ever then. I am a coward, sir. I am so afraid of pain, and he knew that. He knew that I was afraid of being hurt, and that I'd always do what he asked of me. And because I don't like to be hurt myself, I always finished them off quickly. Finished who? Why, there was Red Betty. He wanted her money. Who wanted it? Yuri. The man at the wall moved when he heard this terrible accusation, but the detective took up his revolver again. Be quiet there, he called out, with a look such as he might have thrown at an angry dog. Yuri stood quiet again, but his eyes shot flames, and great drops stood out on his forehead. Go on now, friend Cardiac continued the detective. We were talking about Red Betty. I strangled her. She did not even know she was dying. She was such a weak old woman. It really couldn't have hurt her. No, certainly not, said Detective Muller smoothly, for he saw that the thought that his victim might have suffered was beginning to make the madman uneasy. You needn't worry about that. Old Betty died a quiet death. But tell me, how did Yuri know that she had money? The whole village knew it. She laid cards for people and earned a lot of money that way. She was very stingy and saved every bit. Somebody saw her counting out her money once. She had it in a big stocking under her bed. People in the village talked about it. That's how Yuri heard of it. And so he commanded you to kill Betty and steal her money? Yes. He knew that I loved to give them riddles to guess, just as I did in Paris so long ago. Oh, yes, you're cardiac, aren't you? And now, tell us about the smith's swineherd. You mean Janos? Oh, he was a stupid lout, answered Varna scornfully. He had cast an eye on beautiful Jalsi, Yuri's mistress, so of course I had to kill him. Did you do that alone? No, Yuri helped me. Why did you cut the bridge supports? Because I enjoy giving people riddles, as I told you. But Yuri forbade me to kill people uselessly. I like the chance of getting out, though. The doctor's so good to me, and the others, too. Yuri is good to me when I have done what he wanted. But you see, Mr. Muller, I am like a prisoner here, and that makes me angry. I made Yuri let me out nights sometimes. You mean he let you out alone, all alone? Yes, of course, for I threatened to tell the doctor everything if he didn't. 
"'You wouldn't have dared do that.' "'No, that's true,' smiled Varna shyly. "'But Yuri was afraid I might do it, "'for he isn't always strong enough to frighten me with those eyes. "'Those were the hours when I could make him afraid. "'I liked those hours.' "'What did you do when you were out alone at night?' "'I just walked about. "'I set fire to a tree in the woods once. "'Then the rain came and put it out. "'Once I killed a dog, "'and another time I cut through the bridge supports. "'That took me several hours to do, "'and made me very tired. "'But it was such fun to know "'that people would be worrying and fussing about who did it.' "'Varna rubbed his hands gleefully.' He did not look the least bit malicious, but only very much amused. The doctor groaned. Yuri's great body trembled, his arms shook, but he did not make a single voluntary movement. He saw the revolver in Muller's hand, and felt the keen gray eyes resting on him in pitiless calm. "'And now tell us about the pastor,' said the detective in a firm, clear voice. "'Oh, he was a dear, good gentleman,' said number 302, with an expression of pitying sorrow on his face. "'I owed him much gratitude. That's why I put the roses in his hand.' "'Yes, but you murdered him first. "'Of course. Yuri told me to.' "'And why?' "'He hated the pastor, for the old gentleman had no confidence in him. "'Is this true?' Muller turned to the doctor. "'I did not notice it,' said Orze, with a voice that showed deep sorrow. "'And you?' Muller's eyes bored themselves into the orbs of the young giant, now dulled with fear. Yuri started and shivered. "'He looked at me sharply every now and then,' he murmured. "'And that is why he was killed?' The warder's head sank on his breast." "'No, not only for that reason,' continued number 302. "'Yuri needed money again. "'He ordered me to bring him the silver candlesticks off the altar.' "'Murder and sacrilege?' said the detective calmly. "'No, I did not rob the church. "'When I had buried the reverend gentleman, I heard the cock crowing. "'I was afraid I might get home here too late, and I forgot the candlesticks.' I had to stop to wash my hands in the brook. While I was there I saw Shepherd Yancey coming along, and I hid behind the willows. He almost discovered me once, but Yancey's a dreamer. He sees things nobody else sees, and he doesn't see things that everyone else does see. I couldn't help laughing at his sleepy face, but I didn't laugh when I came back to the asylum. Yuri was waiting for me at the door. When he saw that I hadn't brought the candlesticks, he beat me and tortured me worse than he'd ever done before. And you didn't tell anyone? Why, no, because I was afraid that if I told on him, I'd never be able to go out again. And you, quite alone, could carry the pastor's body out of his room? I am very strong. How did you arrange it that there should be no traces of blood to betray you? I waited until the body had stiffened, then I tied up the wound and carried him down into the crypt. Why did you do that? I didn't want to leave him in that horrid pool of blood. Were you sorry for him then? Why, yes. 
It looked so horrid to see him lying there, and he had always been so good to me. He was so good to me that evening, when I went into his study. He recognized you? Certainly. He sprang up from his chair when I came in through the passage from the church. I saw that he was startled. But he smiled at me and reached out his hand to me, and said, "'What brings you here, my dear cardiac?' And then I struck. I wanted him to die with that smile on his lips. It is beautiful to see a man die smiling. It shows that he has not been afraid of death. He was dead at once. I always kill that way. I know just how to strike and where. I killed more than a hundred people years ago in Paris, and I didn't leave one of them the time for even a sigh. I was renowned for that. I had a kind heart and a sure hand. Muller interrupted the dreadful imaginings of the madman with a question. You got into the house through the crypt? Yes, through the crypt. I found the window one night when I was prowling around in the churchyard. When I knew that the pastor was to be next, I cut through the window bars. Yuri went into the church one day when nobody was there, and found out that it was easy to lift the stone over the entrance to the crypt. He also learned that the doors from the church to the vestry were never locked. I knew how to find the passageway, because I had been through it several times on my visits to the rectory but it was a mere chance that the door into the pastor's study was unlocked. A chance that cost the life of a worthy man, said the detective gravely. Varna nodded sadly, but he didn't suffer. He was dead at once. And now tell me what this top was doing there. Number 302 looked at the detective in great surprise, and then laid his hand on the latter's arm. "'How did you know that I had the top there?' he asked with a show of interest. "'I found its traces in the room, and it was those traces that led me here to you,' answered Muller. "'How strange!' remarked Varna. "'Are you like Shepherd Yancey that you can see things others don't?' "'No, I have not Yancey's gift. It would be a great comfort to me, and a help to the others, perhaps, if I had.' I can only see things after they have happened. But you can see more than others. The others did not see the traces of the top. My business is to see more than others see, said Muller. But you have not told me yet what the top was doing there. Why did you take a toy like that with you when you went on such an errand? It was in my pocket by chance. When I reached for my handkerchief to quench the flow of blood, the top came out with it. I must have touched the spring without knowing it, for the top began to spin. I stood still and watched it, and then I ran after it. It spun around the room and finally came back to the body. So I did. The pastor was quite still and dead by that time. "'You have heard everything, Dr. Orze,' asked the detective, rising from his chair." "'Yes, I have heard everything,' answered the venerable head of the asylum. He was utterly crushed by the realization that all this tragedy and horror had gone out from his house. Varna rose also. He understood perfectly that now Yuri's power was at an end, and he was as pleased as a child 
that had just received a present. "'And now you're going to shoot him?' he asked, in a tone a boy would use if asking when the fireworks were to begin. Muller shook his head. "'No, my dear Cardiac,' he replied gravely. "'He will not be shot. That is a death for a brave soldier. But this man has deserved.' He did not finish the sentence, for the warder sank to the floor, unconscious." "'What a coward!' murmured the detective scornfully, looking down at the giant frame that lay prostrate before him. Even in his wide experience he had known of no case of a man of such strength and such bestial cruelty, combined with such utter cowardice. Varna also stood looking down at the unconscious warder. Then he glanced up with a cunning smile at the other two men who stood there. The doctor, pale and trembling with horror, covered his face with his hands. Muller turned to the door to call in the attendants waiting outside. During the moment's pause that ensued, the madman bent over his work-table, seized a knife that lay there, and dropped on one knee beside the prostrate form. His hand was raised to strike when a calm voice said, "'Fie! Cardiac! For shame!' Do not belittle yourself. This man here is not worthy of your knife. The hangman will look after him. Varna raised his loose-jointed frame and looked about with glistening eyes and trembling lips. His mind was completely darkened once more. I must kill him. I must have his blood. There is no one to see me, he murmured. I am a hangman, too. He has made a hangman of me. And again he bent with uplifted hand over the man who had utilized his terrible misfortune to make a criminal of him. But two of the waiting attendants seized his arms and threw him back on the floor, while the other two carted out Yuri. Both unfortunates were soon securely guarded. "'Do not be angry with me, doctor,' said Muller gravely, as he walked through the garden accompanied by Orze. Dr. Orze laughed bitterly. Why should I be angry with you, you who have discovered my inexcusable credulity? Inexcusable? Oh, no, doctor. It was quite natural that you should have believed a man who had himself so well in hand, and who knew so well how to play his part. When we come to think of it, we realize that most crimes have been made possible through someone else's credulity, or overconfidence, a credulity which, in the light of subsequent events, seems quite incomprehensible. But do not reproach yourself, and do not lose heart. Your only fault was that you did not recognize the heart of the beast of prey in this admirable human form. "'What course will the law take?' asked Orze. "'The poor unfortunate madman, whose knife took all these lives, cannot be held responsible, can he? Oh, no, his misfortune protects him. But, as for the other, though his hands bear no actual bloodstains, he is more truly a murderer than the unhappy man who was his tool. Hanging is too good for him. There are times when even I could wish that we were back in the Middle Ages when it was possible to torture a prisoner." "'You do not look like that sort of man,' smiled the doctor through his sadness. "'No, I am the most good-natured of men usually, I think, the meekest, anyway,' answered Muller. "'But a case like this—' 
However, as I said before, keep a stout heart, doctor, and do not waste time in unnecessary self-reproachings. The detective pressed the doctor's hand warmly and walked down the hill towards the village. He went at once to the office of the magistrate and made his report, then returned to the rectory and packed his grip. He arranged for its transport to the railway station, as he himself preferred to walk the inconsiderable distance. He passed through the village and had just entered the open fields when he met Yancey with his flock. The shepherd hastened his steps when he saw the detective approaching. "'You have found him, sir,' he exclaimed as he came up to Muller. The men had come to be friends by this time. The silent shepherd, with his power of second sight, had won Muller's interest at once. "'Yes, I found him. It was Yuri, the warder at the asylum.' "'No, sir, it is not Yuri. Yuri did not do it.' "'But when I tell you that he did?' "'But I tell you, sir, Yuri did not do it. The man who did it, he has yellowish hands. I saw them. I saw big yellowish hands. Yuri's hands are big, but they are brown.' "'Yancey, you are right. I was only trying to test you. Yuri did not do it. That is, he did not do it with his own hands.' The man who held the knife that struck down the pastor was Varna, the crazy mechanician. Yancey beat his forehead. "'Oh, I am foolish and a useless dreamer!' he exclaimed. "'Of course it was Varna's hands that I saw. I have seen them a hundred times when he came down into the village, and yet when I saw them in the vision I did not recognize them.' "'We're all dreamers, Yancey, and our dreams are very useless generally.' "'Yours are not useless, sir,' said the shepherd. "'If I had as much brains as you have, my dreams might be of some good.' Muller smiled. "'And if I had your visions, Yancey, it would be a powerful aid to me in my profession.' "'I don't think you need them, sir. You can find out the hidden things without them.' "'You are going to leave us?' "'Yes, Yancey, I must go back to Budapest, and from there to Vienna. They need me on another case.' It's a sad work, this bringing people to the gallows, isn't it? Yes, Yancey, it is sometimes. But it's a good thing to be able to avenge crime and bring justice to the injured. Goodbye, Yancey. Goodbye, sir, and Godspeed to you. The shepherd stood looking after the small, slight figure of the man who walked on rapidly through the heather. He's the right one for the work murmured Yancey, as he turned slowly back toward the village. An hour later Muller stood in the little waiting-room of the railway station, writing a telegram. It was addressed to the Count. "'Do you know the shepherd Yancey? It would be a good thing to make him an official detective for the village. He has high qualifications for the profession. If I had his gifts combined with my own, not one could escape me.' I have found this one, however. The guards are already taking him to you. My work here is done. If I should be needed again, I can be found at police headquarters, Vienna. Respectfully, Joseph Muller. While the detective was writing his message, it was one of the rare moments of humor that Muller allowed himself, and he wondered mildly what the stately Hungarian nobleman would think of it. A heavy farm wagon jolted over the country roads towards the little county seat. 
Sitting beside the driver and riding about the wagon were armed peasants. The figure of a man securely bound, his face distorted by fear and rage, lay in the wagon. It was Yuri Kovash, who had murdered by the hands of another, and who was now on his way to meet the death that was his due. And at one of the barred windows in the big yellow house stood a sallow-faced man, looking out at the rising moon with sad, tired eyes. His lips were parted in a smile like that of a dreaming child, and he hummed a gentle lullaby. In his compartment of the express from Budapest to Vienna, Joseph Muller sat thinking over the strange events that had called him to the obscure little Hungarian village. He had met with many strange cases in his long career, but this particular case had some features which were unique. Muller's lips set hard and his hands tightened to fists as he murmured, I've met with criminals who have used strange tools, but never before have I met with one who had the cunning and the incredible cruelty to utilize the mania of an unhinged human mind. It is a thousand times worse than those criminals who, now and then through the ages, have trained brute beasts to murder for them. Truly this Hungarian peasant, Yuri Kovash, deserves a high place in the infamous roll-call of the great criminals of history. A student of crime might almost be led to think that it is a pity his career has been cut so short. He might have gone far. But for humanity's sake, Muller's eyes gleamed, I am thankful that I was able to discover this beast in human form, and render him innocuous. He had done quite enough. End of Section 6 End of The Case of the Pool of Blood in the Pastor's Study by Grace Isabel Colbron and Augusta Groner Read for you by Dawn Larson in Minnesota Thank you for listening.